It's the day in the church calendar when uh, we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit upon God's people. And we're going to be thinking a bit about that in, in the service here together and as the boys and girls will leave us a little bit later on. But we're going to uh, hear the story of what happened on the day of Pentecost now. And uh, this is going to be a little bit different, so I hope it works all right. We're going to be doing some sound effects. We're going to hear the story, bread, and uh, can I bring that back up? Uh Thanks. Okay. So you ready? Everybody ready for that? Okay. What could possibly go wrong? Let's hear the... (laughs) Let's hear the reading, uh, Peter. Thank you. When the day of Pentecost came, those who had been with Jesus were together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. They spoke in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, They asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Thank you very much. Didn't they do well? Did it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Thank you. Yeah, you know, one thing I should have done, one of us should have been speaking English there, and then uh, you might have picked it out. Now, it's an amazing thing that happened. I wonder what, what it's all about. I mean, it must have been kind of telling them something. Because the disciples who this happened to, they knew loads of great stories about how God had worked in the past. They would have known the story about how, you know, remember in the Old Testament when, when they were going to go through this, uh, the Red Sea and the wind blew and the sea divided? They hear the wind and uh, that wind would have reminded them of God's rescue in the past. God's rescuing. And then in the same time of their history, as they were going through the, the wilderness, what was it that guided them? It was a pillar of fire. 
And uh, God was with them in a really special way, guiding them. And, and that was a story they knew about. And so they were learning that God could rescue, that God could come and be with them. It wasn't a pill of fire out there somewhere, but it was for them. God was part of their life, as we shall see. What about the languages? Why all those languages? Well, it was showing that God wants everyone to know about him, doesn't it? And there's one other thing about what happened then. You know, they were all together. It brought them together in an amazing way. You know, Jesus, before he said, before this happened, told them, and Jesus called this the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, you know, in a few days after I've gone, you're going to get the Holy Spirit, and it's just going to be like in being immersed in water, you'll have the Holy Spirit in your lives. And do you know what the Bible says later about it? Looking back, the Apostle Paul says, we were baptized by one spirit into one body. See, at the end it says, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Who was? Jews, Greeks, slaves or free. All the people that were divided were united because they were given the Holy Spirit. And you just as uh, Peter read, you know, when Peter explained, he said, that's what's in the Old Testament. It's not just for the old people, the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's for the old and the young. It's not just for men. Having the Holy Spirit in your life, he's for having God in your life, is for women and men and old and young. And in a very real way, the family gets formed. The, 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 the God's family is formed around the Holy Spirit. We're going to be thinking more about that in a moment. But first, there's going to be a song. I want to just spend about 10 minutes, and I really will try and keep it to 10 minutes, uh, looking at what happened on that day of Pentecost. You've already had the passage read to us and got involved in it in maybe a way you didn't expect to be involved in it. I hope you enjoyed that. If you want to follow through, it's on page uh, 1093 in the Bibles uh, nearby. There's some Bibles in the seats. I'm just going to mention a few verses um, if you want to follow, or you can listen to the verses that I'll be reading in a minute. It was quite a day, wasn't it? It must have been amazing to have been one of those 12 or more, well, more, there were 11 plus others, disciples. From that Jewish background, you know, they had, as we heard earlier, they knew all about God. They had all these stories of their great history. They'd known that God had done stuff in the past, that their God was a great God who intervened in different ways. They, they, they knew that there was more to it all because Jesus had taught them that. But now, something quite unusual has happened, isn't it? This God that they just knew about had come into their lives. You know, it wasn't just that they, they, they knew about him now. They, they kind of knew him. He was kind of in them. He was part of them. He was kind of doing stuff right there at that time. And that's the first thing that actually Pentecost reminds us all, that actually God wants to be part of our lives. As followers of Jesus, you know, I don't know about you, but I... I find it um, ridiculously easy to forget that, you know. I, don't, I believe it, of course, but how easy it is not to pray or to, to get up and, and, and forget to say, oh, God, you're, you're with me in this day, or, or, or to, to forget that God wants to do things in my life, in your life, and you know, as a community of God's people. You know, we need to realize, Pentecost tells us that God is alive and well and active and wants to be part of our experience, wants us to know him, not just know about him. And of course, if we, if we don't know him for ourselves yet, Pentecost is saying the same thing, that if God is just a, like a dim and distant memory to you, or a vague kind of hope or, or a whisper at times when, you know, you perhaps prayed, that God that you, you kind of hope might be there, that you know about, 
actually wants to be part of your life too. And Peter, you know, he gets up and the crowd don't know what's going on because a big crowd gather around because there's such a commotion. And Peter starts explaining to them as we read in, in the passage. And as he gets up, he, he says something. He explains how it is that these people knew God in this way. How could that happen? What's behind all of that? And he tells them it's all in Acts 2. And so in verse 22, for example, he says, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Peter's basic message is, this is happening because of Jesus. That's what he's saying to them. And he reminds them of what they knew about Jesus. Because these people in Jerusalem would have known what Jesus was like, would have known what he did. And, and, and Peter says, you know, God did some amazing things through Jesus. He, he endorsed him. And they knew that, because Peter says, them, you were there. They, were, they had memory of that stuff going on. And we don't have memory, but we do have history. And history tells us that Jesus came into, there was a man called Jesus. It's irrefutable that he did certain things. Nobody in the first, second century denied his miracles, for example. They attributed them to evil sources and whatnot, but they never denied them. He is a figure of history. And that figure of history has said and done some amazing things. So people like Gandhi would say, if only we did what Jesus said, we'd be a lot better as a human race. And if Jesus didn't say those things, somebody did. And so who? You know, where did it all come from? So we have the evidence of history. They had the evidence of, of their recent experience of Jesus. And it's good for us to know, isn't it, that the Christian faith that we have, that we share, is not just based on philosophy or ideas. There are ideas. There is philosophy, I suppose, attached to it. It's not based on you know, necessarily our spiritual experiences, although we have spiritual experiences. But at the heart of it is a person called Jesus Christ who lived in history. And that's good for us to know that there's a firm foundation. And it's good if we're looking into Christianity to be able to say, well, I can go back and look at that person, see what he said, and look at the evidence for myself. So that's why we have Christianity Explored and that kind of thing going on here in Portswood. But so Peter says, look, it's all about Jesus, guys. That's why this has happened. It's because of Jesus. And he goes on to say something more. Verse 23, he's talked about Jesus, and he said, this man, that's Jesus was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. So that's the next thing he says. He says it's um, all about Jesus. And by the way, Peter says to those people in Jerusalem, he died because of you. That's a bit of a blunt message, isn't it, for them to hear? He died because you killed him, says Peter. And some of those people there, literally, that was true. There could have been people in the crowd who were actually at the crucifixion. It's possible. There were certainly people who knew that it went on. They literally had killed him. And it's easy for us to say, well, yeah, they're bad, you know. We would never have done anything like that. Oh, would we? We don't know what we're capable of, do we? Nobody gets up in the morning and thinks, today I'm going to become like that guy from the old Yugoslavia, a mass murderer today, or in three months or six years' time. Nobody does that. Nobody wakes up. I heard somebody on the radio saying, uh, in ten years' time I plan to be in prison for the rest of my life. Nobody decides to do that. It kind of happens. 
And that's what, what happened when Jesus Christ comes into the world with such goodness, such love, such a different way of doing things, such a challenge to the way things are, showing us up for what we're like. Human beings killed him. And you know what? I guess we may well have done the same thing if we'd been there at the time. And in dying on that cross, the Bible tells us, Jesus takes everything about what, what makes us do things like crucify the Son of God. Everything about that that is in the human spirit, that keeps us away from God, that ruins our lives and our communities, that Jesus in his death somehow dealt with that. God, in the person of Jesus, took it in upon himself. He takes the banishment that we deserve because of our bad stuff. And when he died on the cross, it wasn't an accident. Peter says it was a plan. God was involved in it. God was doing something to bring us into relationship with him. So, says Peter, it's because of Jesus. This Jesus was, uh, died. He died for you. He died because of you. We know he died for us. And by the way, because he's dealt with all that bad stuff, it means it's great news. We can be forgiven. So we can start forgiving each other. We can forgive ourselves because the basic issue between us and God has been dealt with. Well, let's read on. Peter says something else. Verse 24, he says, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then he quotes from David, the Old Testament in Uh, in the Old Testament there. And then he goes on in verse 32 to say, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of the fact, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Jesus didn't stay dead, says Peter, as he explains how it is God's got into the life of these ordinary people in Jerusalem. Jesus didn't stay dead because of who he is. Death couldn't hold him, says Peter. And then he says, look, actually, we were eyewitnesses of this. Like being in court. If Peter could stand up in Jerusalem and say, this isn't just some vague idea. We are eyewitnesses. We all saw him. We all knew him. Again, that's kind of evidence, isn't it? And the evidence that we still have from these eyewitnesses is still as strong as ever. You look into the whole possibility, where was the body? Did Jesus rise from the dead? Have you got a better explanation? Follow it through. Many people have and have come to the conclusion, Jesus rose from the dead is the most reasonable explanation that we have of the evidence. And Peter's saying there's evidence for this. Jesus is alive. And then he says in verse 33, there's evidence as well because of what you've seen and heard. What you've seen today is evidence that God is at work. And again, we're not here to see uh, what was going on on that day. We didn't see the tongues of fire. We weren't there. We've just read about it and had a rather weak simulation, I was going to say. No offense, guys. It was very good, but it's not as good as real tongues of fire, is it? But what we do have is the evidence of what God does in the lives of other people as well as ourselves. And some of us here have watched God do things in people's lives. Evidence of the Holy Spirit is at work. Often very gradual, sometimes spectacularly sudden. Sometimes, Peter, where where is he? Peter White was telling me, Peter had a hemorrhage in his eye uh, and uh, they saw the hemorrhage on the scan 
uh, people prayed for Peter in his house group and so on. When he went to have all the junk cleared out, they cleared all the junk out and said, that's funny, where's the hemorrhage? That's right, Peter? Yeah. Sudden and God did something. But often it's the gradual change of somebody who's been selfish all their life suddenly begins to change. Who does that? God does that by his Holy Spirit. Evidence. Then there's more. Verse 36, Peter says, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Peter says, this Jesus, who was crucified, is now the the top man. Lord, the word in, in the original language, is the word they only used for God at that time. And Peter's saying, this Jesus, who it's all about, is is Lord, he's Christ, he's the Messiah. They were expecting God to to complete his promised plan to put everything right that's wrong in the universe. And when Jesus came as Messiah, that plan gets going. And and that kingdom starts. And and what uh, the Jews were expecting that. They were expecting it their way. Jesus came and did it a very different way, and they didn't like it. That's why they killed him. But Peter says, whatever you did to him, God has made him Christ. He is at the center of God's great plan to to reconnect the universe to himself and and to bring everything back into order, as it were. And that's through Jesus. And he is a really significant character. And what happens to people when they hear this? Well, how would you feel if you had just heard that? By the way, Jesus is the one. He's the one at the center of God's plan. And by the way, uh, you killed him. Wouldn't be feeling too good. And they weren't. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, what brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The people are horrified. We've killed God's Messiah? Oh no. What do we do? He died because of us? What a terrible mistake to have made. To put it mildly, what are we going to do about that? This is terrible. They say, what do we do now? And Peter says, he says, look, you can turn back to God again. Repent, it means to change your mind. We can change our minds. And then he says to them, be baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. On that day, they got baptized as a sign that they were turning back to God. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ. If I put my house in your name, what does that mean? You kind of, I'm committing my house to you. When you get married in the registry office or in church or whatever, uh, you, you kind of take the name, don't you? you? You share a name. It's about a commitment. You baptize into the name. We're going to see these people, they're going to be baptized in a minute or two. And what they're doing, they're saying, this is the sign that we've turned to God and that we've given our lives, we've kind of, we, we want to be baptized. Uh, you know, we're in the name. Jesus is now our Lord and our King, and he's at the center of our lives from now on. So they're going to turn back to God, trust themselves to Jesus, and know the forgiveness of sins that comes because he died, because he paid the price, because we can know God as friend and father, not as judge. Because of all of that, we can be forgiven. And more than that, we can receive God into our lives. The Holy Spirit, that gift, is for us. New life from God. So as Christian believers, we can be really thankful on Pentecost Day that we belong to Jesus, that we've been forgiven, that we've got new power to live because he is Lord 
and Messiah. He is Christ. And we need to get, get on with living it, don't we? I know I do. And baptism is the sign of saying, yeah, I want to get on and live that. And you'll hear in a minute from uh, Kate and from Phil about why they want to get baptised today. It's a sign of being uh, committed to Jesus, connected to him, being forgiven by him, being like washed. It's a kind of a washing, I suppose. It's a symbol of this new life that we have in Jesus. And we celebrate that life and we can know that for ourselves. But let's hear what they have to say about it. So, Kate, are you ready to come up and share? Thank you. Kate, over to you. Just briefly, for, uh, for those that I've not met, um, I'm Kate. Um, I'm a student in Southampton, um, and uh, I've been coming to Portswood Church for probably about two years now. Um, so, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to have uh, been raised in a Christian family. Um, so I grew up kind of around church um, and Sunday school. Um, however, I've never particularly been one of those people um, to just accept something without questioning it. Um, so when I, when I went through my kind of teenage years, so to speak, um, I kind of delved quite a lot deeper into kind of what it meant to be a Christian um, and what it was all about. Um, and through kind of youth leaders um, and various Christian events like Soul Survivor and Spring Harvest, um, my faith has gradually grown. Um, God's made his presence more real to me, um, and I guess what previously was a lot of head knowledge has become heart knowledge. Um, I'd say my faith in particular has grown stronger over the last few years um, during challenging times in my life, um, and I've really learned how to uh, depend on God. Um, in particular, um, during these times, I've clung on to the, uh, the Bible verse, Isaiah 43, verse 2, um, which says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God. And uh, last week, it was funny, John, uh, John asked me, oh, so what does it mean for you to be a Christian? Um, and I, I found myself stuck with what to say. Um, so I kind of thought, how can you sum up in, in one or two words such an amazing, such an amazing thing? Um, and I went away and I thought about it. Um, and, and the key things that stuck out to me um, was God's unconditional love, his grace and forgiveness, um, and the eternal hope that I have in him now that I am Christian. Um, by getting baptised, um, I'm wanting to make a public declaration of my commitment to Christ. Um, I'm grateful to my parents for giving me the opportunity to make this decision myself as an adult and in a place where I felt so supported by the church family, especially over the last few months. Um, but most importantly, I'd like to thank Jesus for all he has done for me, which has led me to this 
particular point right now. Yeah, I don't really know how to follow that. <laughs> okay, here goes. Um, yeah, yes, a little bit similar actually. When I was growing up, I always went to uh, to church um, with family, um, so I guess I was used to going to church from a young age. Um, yeah, when I was a teenager, uh, my parents split up, and yeah, I guess this was a pretty difficult time, and just really left me with quite a lot of questions about life. And um, yeah, I mean, this didn't really question didn't really begin to be answered until I came to uni. Um, and yeah, that was a key time. I really, um, yeah, just learned so much about life in that like, first term, um, mainly because it was the first time that I'd lived away from home. Um, so yeah, just a completely different way of thinking about things. Um, I'm really thankful for the, all the Christian Union stuff, just being like, so welcoming. Um, and it's really great for me to just be among um, people my own age that were Christians. Um, and it really showed me that um, that Christianity is like real and relevant in every aspect of life, not just like on a Sunday, um, which I guess what I'd previously thought. Um, yeah, I guess during the first term, it was the first time I began to realise that the the gospel or the good news was personal. Um, that yeah, that I didn't just know about God, but that I could actually know Him um, through through Jesus Christ. Um, and yeah, it was the first time in my life that gradually I could begin to say I had a relationship with God. Um, yeah, it's meant a lot of things. Um, just pick out one of the main things. It's really given me confidence, where I had little confidence before coming to uni. Um, just got, yeah, amazing confidence in knowing that God loves me so much that um, he chose to send his son to earth to die in my place. Um, and that through his resurrection... I can live with God forever, and that death can do nothing about that. Um, yeah, it gives me confidence to know that no matter what I've done, or no matter what I will do, um, his love and that undeserved kindness towards me will never change. So, yeah, I mean, I really, like John said, really encourage anyone here to like, consider that, that Jesus really did come and, um, and live and die and rise from the dead, and that really did happen like, in history. Um, and that was, yeah, never to die again, once he's risen. And, yeah, finally, I just want to say, yeah, like Kate said, just a really huge thank you to everyone at Portswood Church. Because, um, yeah, I really consider you just be my family. Um, and, yeah, I can't, I think both of us can't express enough, like, how welcoming and supporting and, uh, and loving you've been. Um, yeah, and it's just showing me that, like, although, like, life's not, easy at all and it's like there's often loads of struggles um, but yeah that, that Christ is alive and like he's always with us so that no matter what we go through we're never alone um, and yeah I'm just going to finish with uh, some verses from Romans 8 uh, starting from 35 to the end um, who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will ever be able to separate us uh, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Great, thank you very much for sharing. It's good, isn't it, to hear those uh, stories uh, pointing to Jesus. So we're going to sing a hymn now which uh, points to Jesus. It's called uh, In Christ Alone. We'll stand and sing it.